Awesome date. Sometime in the future. Awesome topic. No, no short jokes here. This is the Awesome Cast. And welcome to the Awesome Cast. I'm Basil. I'm Kevin. And joining us via the internet, this is Daryl Surratt uh, of the Anime World Order podcast that hasn't released a new episode in a while because uh, we're trying to think of something good to put out, something momentous, and nothing comes to mind. Well, you should work on momentumizing your prospects. Maybe you should pick something that's not momentous, but just pretend that it's momentous. <laughs> I think that's going to be what what's actually going to happen. Awesome. Excellent. Well, when we record this, um, while we're recording this in mid-August, this is actually be coming out near the later half of September, which is the same period of time that Anime Week in Atlanta is going on. And I know that the both of us here are going to have panels, and so I figured it would make sense to pimp what we got so that if you have to be hearing this and going, oh, wait, I'm going to Anime Week in Atlanta. Because you should be. You should know what you're getting yourself into. So, what are my panels? So, you know, I, before this, before I said, oh, I know what panels I'm doing. Now I have to remember what they are. Do you? Um, Gona Guy? Yeah, oh, yeah, we're doing, we're doing Gona Guy. We're doing yeah. Gona Guy at a Glance, which is sort of an overview of the skimming of all of Gona Guy's works, at least all of, most of the heavy hitters. It, it's going to be kind of interesting because... The previous two cons I've been able to put this on, I got a lot of people who didn't know who Gonagai was, but still showed up to the panel anyways, and they were very enlightened. Which is interesting, because usually when you do panels like this, if people have no idea what it is, they just don't show up. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. Um, or what has also happened is that, at least at MTAC, we have people who knew one of Gonagai's things, like they might know Mazinger, or they might know Cutie Honey, but they didn't know the rest of it. And so for them, they're like, oh, wow, there's a lot more to this guy than I thought, which is what I'm actually hoping for Friday anyway. That and a bunch of people would probably know way more about the guy than I do, but I'll roll with that. Yeah, it is the old school crowd convention, but uh, it'll be it'll be fun. I don't know. I know that one because I'm going to be on that one. But uh... <laughs> see, the other two that I'm doing is the English Jamboree, which I'm doing with uh, Drew Sutton, uh, Akibar Renditions, which is are going, well, we kind of want to do a clip show somewhere, but all the good ideas have already been taken. What's left? And we came up with English, and it's worked out really well so far. And then finally, it's uh, my Getting Your Anime Groove Back panel, which is the whole idea is I'm going to show you some anime that if you've been thinking about getting out of anime, these are some things that might get you back into anime, where I'm going to show the first 12 minutes of Red Line and who knows what else. Why 12 minutes and not 8? Usually, like, the, what the thing that they gave away, wasn't it just the whole 
part before the actual opening part where it says red line is the title and you can just call it a day, cut it right there. That's 12 minutes. That's 12 minutes. That's 12 minutes. Ah, I thought it was eight. No, it, it's 12 minutes. Um, I know this because <laughs> I just watched red line yesterday You're playing and I out. timed it. Yeah. You're playing this out already. Uh, I'll probably also be going with uh, Michiko Ihachin, um, Future Boy Conan, uh, Princess Jellyfish, Atoma Yokai Zakuro, and a couple other things. I'm not quite sure what yet, but those are those previous ones has gotten responses from everyone I've shown them to at all the conventions I've shown this at. So I figure they're a pretty good suite of things to show off uh, for AWA. And those are my three. And Kevin just has the one. That's mine. Yeah, too. I'm riding on the going to guy train. <laughs> it's a good train to ride. It is. It is. So what you got, Daryl? Oh, man, I... Honestly, I'm not even certain. I think I am doing um, – well, I'm almost certain I'm doing a panel of doom one more time Saturday night, wasting everybody's time. We're going to find out uh, who's going to win in the you know, epic struggle between cats versus dogs. I know we've got like a, a lot of strong supporters for dog, a lot of strong supporters for cats, especially you know in anime circles and their Neko uh, affinities. But we'll – we will settle the debate once and for all, cats versus dogs, as well as uh, various other things, like what to do if you find yourself a geek who draws comic books all day in school, what's it take to be cool. Uh, we're going to learn that. We're also going to find out uh, a good parable for you know the Obama administration and Fox News, as uh, depicted by way of Megatron and Optimus Prime. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, so those, those are some things to look forward to. Um, I presumably will have another Anime's Craziest Deaths, although I'm not going to lie, the pool of Anime's Craziest Deaths is highly finite, and so I'm going to try and get some new stuff, going to get, like, maybe some Megazone and some Judge and Doom Megalopolis yeah. and, you know, some of the things that I missed out, you know, prior. Kind of hard to get Crying Freeman in there just yeah. because he's naked the whole time. Yeah, it's a good um, carnage in Megazone. Two, part two. There's some there's some some stuff getting destroyed in in part two and part one. Uh, I think we can get some footage out of. But to be honest, I mean, uh, I don't have two new hours. I probably don't even have one new hour. Uh, I maybe I can get thirty more minutes. Um, but I've I've got stuff, you know. So we'll do that. I am almost definitely doing a awesome fights in Asian action cinema. Panel. That's probably going to be Sunday, though. Probably like Sunday, two o'clock. You know, who knows? Kind of a con-ending sort of thing. And it will be in a video room because AWA's got a live-action uh, action video room. So they'll probably put me in there for that panel. Um, I do not know if I've got a Satoshi Khan uh, thing, but if you saw it at Otakon, you basically don't need to see it again in AWA if I'm doing it there. Um, and yeah, so. I am not 100% certain what I'm doing other than those three, the Asian action cinema, Doom, and Anime's Craziest Deaths. But I'll uh, almost certainly be around. Uh, I, I could see positive them scheduling the 101 across something else that I'm doing already. You know, I'm almost certain that 101 is definitely on the schedule because I think it's likely to be the kind of thing that gets put like Saturday at 9 in the morning. And I'm going to see if I can maybe ask maybe 11 in the morning instead. But yeah, um, if you're listening to this podcast, you don't need to be at the 101. It's kind of like for all the people who are at the con for the first time. Right. Go to that panel once. Right. But it's, it's a very important panel to have. 
because there's a lot of people who don't know what has come before and what is trends, all that sort of thing. A lot of these kids are just here to have fun and they might actually get to learn something. I always try to make it an accidental learning something, except Anime 101, you kind of force them to learn something, and so it's it's not as enjoyable. I mean, when you do Anime as Crazy as Deaths, you indirectly teach people that these cartoons exist that they never would have seen otherwise. That's how, that's what I tell myself. That Because uh, whenever... <laughs> were you at Otakon's? Yes, yeah, where the, the security guard came afterwards and was, like, freaking out over what you showed. Oh, yeah, that's right. He was talking to me. He's like, oh, man, that was the best thing I've seen all weekend. <laughs> yeah. he, he's just an employee of the hotel, and so he just has to be in the rooms and see the weird anime stuff. But I guess mine was, was the eye-opener. But, yeah, I think the thing where I would ask people, it's like, who has no idea what they're seeing right now? Who has never seen this cartoon? And most everybody would raise their hand. I mean, the thing that people had seen the most was Akira. I mean, you think about that. A lot of people haven't seen Akira, except at Anime's Craziest Deaths, where most people had seen Akira. Right. Yeah, I was surprised. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff that surprised people raising their hands for it that, that they hadn't seen. But Sadly, I'm not, as a lot of the kids who got an anime now got in on the late 90s, and unfortunately all that stuff, they had the really good deaths were before then. I don't think they got in on the late 90s. I think they got in early 2000s. I think once you start getting earlier than Cartoon Network Gundam Wing, that's when it's like, oh, wow, there's all this stuff that we don't know about. Like, I don't even have Ninja Scroll in anime's craziest deaths, if you think about it. And you could get a ton yeah. out of that one alone. That's true. And actually, I was thinking, I was thinking early 2000s, not late 90s. It, it just goes to show you how easy time slips when you're not thinking about it. Right. I mean, when you start thinking of like, oh, 10-year veterans of anime cons, it's like you think, oh, yeah, people have been at it since the 1990s. No, wait. No, that would be after Cartoon Network at this point. And whippersnappers. They're never seen star. <laughs> We're at the point now, because Cartoon Network isn't doing Toonami and anime stuff anymore, now you're kind of getting up there, if you remember, when Cartoon Network used to show anime on Toonami. Oh, oh yeah. Like, you know, one of the biggest, you know, draws ever seen for a panel is always the R.I.P. to Toonami panel, because you know you'll just get all those those kids who do barely remember it, or have you know, or have heard other people talk about Toonami, mm -hmm. and for them that's just a force of, as, as anything else in anime. Like I, I'm always very surprised. I never I didn't really watch Toonami growing up, but I knew it was there, and but a lot of kids you know who did watch it you know that was their that was their, their direct line to God. So, I guess we shall move on to the Moments of Awesome. It's a moment of awesome. So what you got, Kevin? Yeah, why me first? <laughs> uh, pick one. Pick one. Um, hey, there's this game. It's called Catherine. It was awesome. Or it is awesome. Might stay awesome if I can ever get past the puzzles. <laughs> More or less awesome than Shadows of the Damned. I need to play Shadows of the Damned. <laughs> I think they're awesomes in different ways. Yeah, they probably are completely different kinds of awesome. since I gather Shadows of the Damned is kind of a third-person action shooter, and Catherine, when it's being a video game and not a really cool animated movie, is a block-pushing puzzle game. It's, it's almost, this is a terrible, terrible comparison, and I'm going to yeah. preface that right now. Where Catherine's more the Black Swan to Shadows of the Damned, Evil Dead. 
That's pretty fair, actually, probably. Although, once I said, as I said, haven't played Shadows of the Damned. Um, I really should, though. It looks like it's fun. It, it looks amazing. Like I, I, I keep having this backlog of games, and Shadows of the Damned keeps going, hey, you should add me to that backlog. And it's like, yes, yes. I will spend money on you later. But it keeps pestering me, and I know I'm going to do it one day. Probably be like Vanquish, and I'll pick it up when I randomly find it for 20 bucks. <laughs> My only problem with that is that when you when you do that, when you finally do get to getting it when it's 20 bucks, it's too late. It's gotten the sales it's ever going to get anyways, and it's probably not going to be reprinted again. Yeah. Which means that the chances of Suda51 and Miyakami and all those guys getting their money be able to make more games, that chance for them is gone. True, I probably should support them since they're all awesome game makers. But uh. yeah, I'm I'm glad that at least Suda Fifty One is getting another chance at bat with Lollipop Chainsaw. Did you see the teaser for that one? Yes, it it looks that amazing. Sounds it sounds intriguing. <laughs> Go see the trailer if you haven't yet. Yeah, I, I haven't. If I remember correctly, I will link it in the show notes. It is just you can tell this that man has vision. And his vision is the very definition of awesome. And so, but so yeah. what about Catherine? Yeah, that's totally not about Catherine up to this point. Um, Catherine is a from Atlas. Almost basically, almost all the same people who work on the Persona and Shin Megami Tensei games, except they're trying their hand at a puzzle title. Um, and it, you follow the the unlucky adventures of a man named Vincent. Who is, I wouldn't say unlucky. I might. <laughs> well, in the relative sense, I would say it all started from him being a little too lucky. Yes, well, yes, because he, he kind of ends up caught between his longtime girlfriend Catherine, who who's probably they've been probably dating well more than long enough to be considering marriage, and a new mysterious younger woman also named Catherine, who he literally wakes up with her in his bed one day. Two things fascinate me about Catherine. Is one, the fact that there are a lot of girls who play Catherine. Maybe that's not too fascinating, considering that so many of the Persona um, team worked on it. But two, is that almost everyone playing it, guys and girls alike, are choosing the other woman, Catherine, who's like, you know, cheating on you, as opposed to, you know, your girlfriend, Catherine. Which, what does this say about us as, as people? Well, I, I can... That we like the one wearing like, fewer clothes. Well, I, I can tell you that, honestly, neither of the two Catherines or Vincent are that likable of people. And that the Catherine the K, the girlfriend Catherine, is really, really, really highly controlling. And the other girl is just very freewheeling. So maybe it's just guys like loose women. I don't know. Even though the freewheeling girl is also very against the whole idea of cheating. So yeah. I don't know. I've been kind of answering questions in the game that they seemed right at the time. And somehow I'm floating right in the middle of the little law order or chaos morality board thing. <laughs> yeah, I have noticed that it's really kind of weird when I'm choosing answers that I think will be the more lawful or blue side. And in fact, it just makes it worse. It just makes it worse. Which is an, an accurate portrayal of relationships. No, but it, yes, and even more so, when I let my girlfriend you know, do it, she gets it right almost every time. Like, that's what got me. And I was like, well, women, god damn it. <laughs> 
So what's been awesome in your neck of the woods, Daryl? Well, I have taken the plunge and I have gotten myself a e-reader device, a tablet e-reader device, a Nook Color, the Barnes & Noble one, not the Kindle, not uh, any of the other ones, but I did not get it to uh, read books with. No, I got it because you can modify this thing and it becomes an Android tablet. And I got it for 180 bucks. Normally these things are like three, four hundred dollars. If you want an iPad, that's like five, six hundred dollars. So 180 bucks is a pretty damn good deal because this thing is pretty sweet. Let me tell you, what you can do with it, in addition to you know reading comic books on, which is you know my main purpose in life, is oh I'm gonna pay money for a device so I can read my pirated manga scans or what have you. Um, <laughs> it supports emulators. And it has Bluetooth on it, so you can pair, like, a PlayStation 3 controller or a Wiimote to this thing and play emulated video games. Like, it'll do Nintendo, Super Nintendo, PlayStation 1 even. I think uh, if you overclock it a little bit, it'll handle the PSX good. I've, I've been messing around with it, and it works okay. But just the, the fact that you can pair multiple controllers to this thing because it's Bluetooth means that you can effectively have consoles on a fairly large screen pretty much anywhere you go. So this is like a step up from the PSP uh, in my book, which, you know, before the only reason I used my PSP was for emulating anyway. Um, so it, that is, uh, in my opinion, it's a pretty awesome deal. Well, there you go. Yeah, I have a – both Kevin and I both actually have Kindles now, but yeah. mine was specifically to read books. And so I think for that, it's it does exactly what I want to do. Yeah, ditto. I have the same reason Although I, I mine. do have an Android phone, so I do a lot of the other stuff on my phone instead. But I could see the the the, um, the allure of having a much bigger screen to do it on. But, yeah, and the battery life is pretty good too. I mean, considering that it's a, jo a fairly large, you know, for portable LCD screens go, and a pretty large screen. Um, you know, it's a pretty good deal. I mean, I would – I don't regret my purchase. Let's just put it that way. Uh, but if I just got it as a reader, I would be like, man, I got to read books on this thing. You know, it's it it's perfectly readable. It's a very sharp display and all that. But it's not like – you guys have e-ink style ones, right? right? Yes, yes. You know, this one's just a straight-up LCD screen. I don't – my eyes don't hurt from reading text on a monitor. If it would, I wouldn't be able to live on the computer as much as I do. But I can see the allure of the the e-ink ones. But I can at least uh, have these in the dark. Ah, uh, let's see. For the Kindles, you can actually buy a very specific kind of case for it that you can actually has a built-in light that you can pull it out. That Kevin is showing the computer screen that yes. no one can see. What are you doing, that Kevin? Audience at home who has no camera. I forgot we're not a vlog show for a second. Yes, um. <laughs> and that works pretty well. But I mostly got it a so because I wanted to read books. And B, I need to preserve what little eyesight I have left. True. I, I don't mind being able to crank up the text size a bit sometimes. I think cases are like the biggest racket in the world as far as these things go. I mean, oh, yeah. You go and you look in the official store and everything is like really expensive. And it's like, oh, okay, I'll get a cheap one on eBay or something, right? But you go and everything they've got kind of sucks. And you're like, man. Yeah. It's going to be like a miracle if I can get like a decent one for under $50, but I think I found one. Uh, of course, unfortunately, it ships from England, from the original manufacturer, <laughs> yeah. so I won't know if it's any good until I get it in two I weeks. I think I had to order a Japanese PSP case just to find one with a belt loop attachment. It sounds like recently I, I did 
import Red Lion, but I think I want to save Red Lion for an official po- awesome cast at some point in the future. Yeah, we're gonna I'm gonna have to watch it at some point, and I'm sure I will. But the, actually, I want to talk about two films. Before, yeah, one more because I actually want to talk about the other one. I feel is something I, w- I would like to. I have some reservations of people's reception of it. The one I actually want to talk about is the 2010 um, live action remake of Space Battleship Yamato. Because yeah. for me, it was one of the things where when I was growing up, and I want to date myself, I'm pretty sure my first anime was either Robotech, Voltron, Speed Racer, or Gigantor. It was in the early 80s. The black and white Gigantor or the new adventures Gigantor that was in color? Both. Wow, where was black and white Gigantor airing? I don't know, but I remember it. Probably somebody rerunning it at a weird hour. But like, but one of the few things that well, I didn't get a re-syndication where I lived was um, Star Blazers, which was the English adaptation of Yamato. So I've never really, really watched Yamato. And I thought, well, okay, there's this new fancy film. I'm going to give it a shot, see what I've been missing. And I've been missing a lot. Interesting. I've, I've been hearing some really split opinions on this movie. I think, um, I guess as the story goes, Space Battleship Yamato um, inspired the original Battlestar Galactica. And now that there's a new Battlestar Galactica, this new Space Battleship Yamato movie is very much akin to the style of the new Battlestar Galactica show from a couple of years ago. And this is good for some people and really bad for other people, depending on your opinion of the new Galactica. I don't know. I know there are some people who are longtime diehard fans that were watching Yamato in the 70s. And they see this movie and they love it to pieces. And then there are other fans who see it and are like, oh, my God, this thing's a piece of junk. So you, having not really seen it, you're you're pretty into it, right? It seems like it's pretty interesting. Yeah, I liked it a lot. And also – And I think the movie serves its purpose. Oh, yeah. It totally has gotten me into wanting to watch Roro Yamato. Yeah, I have seen the at least well, a couple of the movies in the first season – well, the first season as Star Blazers – and I like the movie as well, but that was a... And I will also say that I never watched Battleship Galactica, either one of them. Battlestar, yeah. Battlestar, yeah. So it's like, I... I so classic, that one... Classica, I, classic Galactica only. Sorry. I, I I can see now that you've said that, that there could be comparisons made. But honestly, when watching that film, I never once thought about that. I mean, oh snap. I think if you if you had watched the new Galactica, that would have been all you'd been able to I actually about. thought of the... Star Trek reboot movie recent watching it a couple times, but <laughs> yeah, see that's what I thought about because I guess I saw the Star Trek reboot and this feels the same sort of style to it, where they've taken all the characters and they've updated certain aspects to be modern, but it tells at least as far as I can it, I can't tell you if it told the complete story correctly, but it told the complete story that what for what I needed quite well. If it told a complete story correctly then that's good. I mean, whether it told the complete story correctly, that's more like, is it an adaptation that's faithful? And obviously they changed a bunch to modernize yeah. it. But if you thought the, the the story it told was acceptable and the characters made sense, then I think the movie works. I have still not seen the movie um, just because I'm oh, ingrate like that. Also because I heard that the subtitles floating around the existing copy weren't the greatest. Um, what were your thoughts on that? I watched a fan sub by Anime Central, and subtitles were quite good. Okay. Or Central Anime, sorry, Central Anime. 
Cent- okay, Central Anime does good work because they're the people who did Legend yeah. of Galactic Heroes. Okay. Well, okay. yeah, if they're subbing this, that's what my thought, yeah. Well, that's, that's actually what got me to check it out because I, I was finally, once again, re-downloading all of Legend of Galactic Heroes to try to, once again, jump into it. I, I have an issue where I will watch like the first five episodes, go, all right, that was awesome, I'm going to watch more later. And then a few months do. later, I go, oh... I need to watch where that – wait, where am I? Oh, let me start from the beginning again. <laughs> yeah, that's the kind of show where maybe if you watch one episode a day and just say, I'm going to watch one a day, then it's a feasible thing to get through it. But as opposed to like I'm going to sit down and try and watch a bunch, then that's probably when you're going to burn out, especially you know during some parts where you know it's like, oh, what's going on? I'll get a sandwich or something. But anyway, as far as – you know, Yamato is concerned. It's all on Netflix streaming now, isn't it? I, I think so. I think so, which means I, I really need to check it out since I have Netflix. I, I know that I was surprised to see that Harlock was on Crunchyroll, but I haven't really have I really haven't looked through most of Netflix's anime selection, so I'll have to I'll have to check that out. But the uh, other film that I want to talk about more because I'm really confused was Trigun Badass Rumble. And I ended up watching it uh, after I got home from Otakon. And I don't know why people are down on it. It's it's Trigun. I really liked Badlands Rumble. And I think the people who don't like it are people who are kind of wanting it to be like either a sequel or continue the story of Trigun. And to me, I'm like, Trigun had a pretty darn good ending. Let Trigun be over. This is basically... The equivalent of like the Cowboy Bebop movie, or you know, like how they do those Shonen Jump action movies, uh, like uh, maybe sort of like the one we're going to talk about in a minute, where it's kind of just a standalone, done in one story, where you get to see the characters do their thing, but it doesn't really tie into the overall narrative. And I think, for my money's worth, that was where the the best episodes of Trigon were, were before the gung ho guns and everything got like really dour and serious. I thought that it was a lot of fun. And um, really got, like, everything that made Trigon awesome in one movie. Uh, really well animated. Um, but there's no excuse why this movie shouldn't have come out, like, ten years ago. Yeah, it's true. This movie is so – it even feels like it's, you know, animated almost in the same style as the original show was. Like, it feels very much like a show that should have been released in the early 2000s, and yet we're only getting it Here now. Here it is now. Yes, that is, does seem strange. I, I actually think that it's animated in a style that reminds me of Redline. Because you think about it, if you look in the background, I was just amazed at like all the crazy design work of all the random dudes in the background, and they all looked unique, and they all had their own unique kind of gun, even if they were just like nobody, literally. I thought, like, wow, someone really went to town on the design work of this thing. And for the TV show, I always had like another hang-up with it where they had some episodes that were just amazing looking and other ones that just look kind of cheap as hell. And Badlands Rumble, you know, it's just, it's, it's beautiful to look at, you know, throughout. They really went above and beyond. I just kind of think the boat has largely sailed on Trigon. Trigon is now one of those things that's like, wow, people were little kids when they were watching yeah. Trigon. Yeah. Or they were, they were really big into anime when Trigon was out, and it's been so long since Trigon ended that they're no longer anime yeah, fans anymore. That, they may not even know it that exists. That is true. I have actually run into co-workers who remember Trigon and don't watch anime. <laughs> but, Dale, you did figure out my 
conniving and cunning plan where I was going to use the top of Trident to segue into Full Metal. So now we're going to talk about Full Metal Alchemist, the sacred star of Milos. Do they, they get to kill Hitler in this one? Chepkin. <laughs> talking to Kevin on the car ride over here and th- and he mentioned like oh man but what if it was originally a sequel to the first full Malcolm's movie it could have been Inglorious Alchemists and I'm like well yeah I mean I could have been down with like a completely off the wall completely non-canonical take where Mustang for no apparent reason had a Tennessee or Texan accent yeah we can get Travis Willingham to do a Tennessee accent right no 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 no, no, no. <laughs> we're getting Brett Weaver for this one we're doing it right okay you're right. There you go. <laughs> but that's not what we're actually talking about. We're actually talking about the new actual Full Metal Alchemist movie that just came out in Japan. We got to see the uh, premiere of it at Otakon. And that is the Sacred Star of Milos. And it very much does take the whole same concept that Trigun did, where it takes place in this murky, you know, sort of. You really don't need to place it exactly where it would take place in the actual game. Episode twenty ish. I thought that was a mistake on the director's part to say it takes place at exactly this episode point because when he started talking about that, I was like, maybe it was the translator and the interpreter, but I was like, is he telling us the plot of the movie we're about to see? No, he's not. He's just trying to say this is a point where this story could justifiably fit within the Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood timeline but really you don't have to think about it that hard i mean yeah it's true brotherhood does have a continuing story with a beginning middle and end but this because it's a standalone movie it literally affects nothing it could happen virtually at any time i mean i watched a little bit of the first series i watched a little bit of brotherhood and i had no problem following the film (laughs) it helps in that respect because one of the things when you do these kind of standalone things is you spend a lot of time not so much focusing on how the characters got there, but more what the setting actually is they're about to deal what with, they what do. that situation is. Yeah. And those characters are kind of like, you know, a lot of the focus points are at because, sure, you know Ed, you know Al, you know Roy, you know all the people that you're already going to, already going to see, but you don't know all the new characters. And so you get all that sort of, you know, introduction and exposition explaining all the new stuff. 
but you've got the the, the familiarity of the old stuff so that you you know you have a point of reference to, to enjoy the movie yeah totally i mean i always was like wondering whenever they do these movies we all in the back of our heads know we're never going to see these characters ever again we kind of just want to see the people who brought us to the dance and you know different movies do a different job of balancing those two things and i think this movie i really felt that they kind of only had two characters from the show that really needed to be there and everybody else was completely superfluous as far as recurring cast members go um a lot of the focus was spent on like the new cast that they developed for the story i don't necessarily dislike that but i can understand like if you're a hardcore fan of Fullmetal alchemist you might be a little ticked off that your favorite character wasn't really in this movie yeah that much. true and if you're looking for any burning questions you had to be answered they're not here but it's not going to be found here. it's not well i mean but they pretty much solve all the really burning questions in the actual show and manga yeah but this is very right. much about you know the situation they're currently in although yeah i, I did feel that they could have you know possibly introduce some of the other you know minor characters and let better that's from the original actual series yeah but, I think there was some room near the end of the film where you could have had a few characters. You could have had some guys show up and cut loose in the finale of the yeah. movie, I thought. But, like, it was interesting to see Full Metal Alchemist in this setting at Otakon. Because Otakon, you know, there's 31,000 people at the convention. At least two or 3,000 people showed up for the showing that we made it to. It was so many people that it filled up that big room and they had to do a second showing the next day to try and get as many people as possible. And the same thing happened to Trigon, by the way. But the reaction of the crowd, like, before the show started and during the movie was almost eye-opening to me. I, I, I say almost. It's like, it's, it was a surprise, but it wasn't a surprise. Like, the line to get in was virtually impossible. Like, we had press badges. That was the only way we were getting through that door. Yeah. And you were there right. next to me the whole time. And we, I remember we were at the front, at the very front of the line. And, um, you know, the line suddenly started to, like, just sing, like, Journey and, like, a bunch of crap. And I was like, man, this is terrible. I'm going to give up my spot in line so I don't have to listen to this junk anymore. <laughs> but, I don't true. know. Did, did, did Journey become, like, a, a super meme suddenly? Like, I don't know if it was that popular. I mean, I guess it was, like, karaoke jerk song of choice forever. But it seems like it's really taken off in recent, I don't know, months or years. Or am I just imagining that? No, no, because I know at least not this year, but last year at our local con, my roommate and our producer of the show, um, DJ Inavito, is the DJ. And both I think last year, I think this year as well, you know, he got requests for the finale to be a Journey song. You know what I bet it is? I bet it's Glee. Glee could be it. Uh, I don't know. I don't watch Glee. Yeah. I've never seen Glee, but I would bet money that they they must have done that song on Glee. Probably. Like I've never seen it, but I that's like the only thing that can jump into my mind is like, why is suddenly everybody knowing about Journey? Yeah, the problem and is singing that song really bad. The problem is basically everyone I know who's ever been actually involved in high school music department. We hate Glee. Um, <laughs> I wondered maybe it was also possibly a Guitar Hero rock band. Possibly. It could be that, too, since it's, I'm sure it's in those games as well. But anyway, um, the reaction of the crowd in, for this movie was like, if you ever wondered like what the heart of Moe is, <laughs> you could see it 
from being in this movie because what were the reactions to the crowd? The strongest reactions were just when the character they were familiar with showed up and was on screen, yeah. not doing anything, yeah. not like they did something cool or whatever. Just there they are. Look at Ellen Ed. Enormous, enormous reaction, you know, for the first time. And not even the first time someone showed up. The first time it was a close-up of them. <laughs> there could be shots of them walking in the distance and talking and doing like, whatever. But once the camera zoomed in, it was a close-up of the face. Then the crowd goes wild. And I was like, this is like the heart of anime fandom. You just need to go to any AMV competition and see, like, you know, those AMVs that are cut to just, like, show the face shots of, like, the characters people love and uh, see that reaction. I'm like, man. Don't people understand that what makes characters great, there's not like some intrinsic thing that says Edward Elric is awesome. It's the stuff that Ed Elric does that's awesome. It's true. I don't know. I guess maybe I'm out of it. Well, I think it's one of those things where I think, A, it's the situation that they're in. They're in this gigantic room that's filled with over, you know, 2,000 fans, you know, packed to the gills. And there's a lot of excitement. Because they know for a fact they're one of the first people to ever in America get to see this film. And oh man, I thought it was done. I thought it was over. And there he is on the screen. El Edward or Alphonse Elric. Oh man. So I, I think you're onto something. I think it would be exactly the same thing if even if that Evil Dead 4 movie happens and Diablo Cody writes it, even though she sucks, people are going to go nuts the second Bruce Campbell as Ash shows up one more time. Yeah, yeah. I know I would. I think it'll be the same thing. Yeah, like I, th I think it's a lot of, you know, people have you know, invested a lot of time, effort, and emotion into these characters. You got to think about it. Full Metal Alchemist has been around for close to a decade now. Yeah. I mean, you know, started like, what, 2002, 2003? I don't have Google in front of me, all right? I don't remember it. But it's about that long. It's like the big show of the 2000s. Now we're dealing with something that people watched when they were kids that was like their favorite thing growing up, and now they're teenagers or in college or whatever. I just recently watched the new series. Right. And so, like, Full Metal Alchemist is, like, this important thing to them, whereas to us, it's it's a cool show, but it's not, like, an integral part of our existences. Yeah. Yeah, it also sucks in the Vic Magnana fangirls, but, yeah. <laughs> but I, I, don't th I don't think, well, you're right, this, but this still wasn't also the English dub of this. This was the yeah, Japanese Yeah, no, thank dub. God, yes, I, I like my... Uh... And, and so... You know, I think a lot of this is, well, I'm sure the Vic Magnana stuff is there. And, and this case, in this particular case, I don't think that is as prevalent as you think it might have been. No, no. I mean, I don't think anyone... Every, I'm pretty sure everyone went in there was assuming it was going to be Japanese with subtitles. But... And I'm sure that a lot of those same people probably would, you know, freak out once they heard, you know, Vic's voice. But yes. You didn't have to deal with that this time. No, no, I didn't. If I thought I would, I wouldn't have gone. <laughs> I just got to hear the wonderful voice of Romy Paku, uh, and you know all the all the acting, and it was all you know very spot on for what you'd want out of the show. Ed was Ed, Al was Al, Mustang was Mustang, and all the Mustang. That was the thing. If you were a big fan of Roy Mustang, this movie would have ticked you off because yeah. Roy Mustang may as well not have even been in this movie. He had a couple I lines. He wa He was in a couple scenes. Like he kept trying to be in the film, but then they, the director wouldn't let him actually do anything. Yeah. 
that's what it felt like. And I mean, literally, like I always felt this way about Winry anyway, but they really felt like they were forcing her to be in this movie for some yeah. reason. Yeah. And she just she it, throughout all of Full Metal Alchemist, I always felt like, okay, they're just coming up with a contrivance to keep Winry in the story. Uh, the movie but, somehow managed to even give like uh, Riza one cool scene. Yet none for Roy. Reza, that's right. Yeah, Reza Hawkeye at least gets one thing to do against you know a guy who we're not supposed to like because he's got a haircut like a jerk, which is good enough for me, I guess. <laughs> but you know, Roy Mustang, he does like one thing in the movie that is just like you know not really a fight or just like a mild use of his power. I think like the worst was like I mean my favorite character is Armstrong. Yes. Armstrong shows up in one scene to say, hey, you got a letter, guys. And it's like, and that's and it. the crowd went wild. <laughs> well, yeah. The, I, I was like, yeah, that's what we're talking about. The business is about to pick up. My God. But no, it was just like, there he is. All right. And, oh, he's not showing up ever again in this movie, is he? And no, he did not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was that – was, the, the Armstrongs are probably my favorite characters in the show, too. And so that was – for me, it was – my one real disappointment of the, of the movie was that, you know, Armstrong was was barely a blink. I think it's more like the fact that he just showed up a little bit is worse than if he hadn't even been there, period. Because it's sort of acknowledging, yep, I'm here, I'm a cool character, guys, but I'm sure not appearing in this film. Sorry. Yeah, he felt more like, you know, they knew they had to mark him off on the checklist, but they didn't want to actually put him in the film. I'm not sure why either. It's like they could have certainly, like you said, easily had him show up or go with them or show up later to save the day at the end. Because there was at least one or two points in the movie where I was like, okay, that's a little too convenient that so-and-so is able to show up in the nick of time after having shown up in the nick of time previously in another spot or what have you. It's like, how does the space of that work out? If another character like Armstrong or whatever, had just like, boom, showed up out of nowhere, people would have been fine. Well, I would have been more fine with it. I don't I don't dislike it, but again, you know what I'm talking about? It's one of those things where the movie's still fun, it's still a good ride, but man, you could see certain points where it could have just been better. Yeah, I agree. I don't want to, like, obviously we're not spoiling this movie because nobody has seen this movie unless you went to Otakon. So yeah. uh, we'd be kind of jerks if we did that to you guys. But yeah, but it's your basic action adventure. They they go someplace. There's a problem. They go someplace, and you know, Full Metal Alchemist has always been about having some sort of like analog to real world situations. This one is basically a glorified Israel Palestine, <laughs> only in an anime format, and uh, and Israel's total jerks, you know, unrepentantly so. But I think. The part of the issues or why this movie could have been better is that this is a first-time effort. Like mm -hmm. the guy who directed it, I don't think he's done a movie before. Not, uh, not. No, his closest no. thing he's ever done to an actual director, director thing, was he did two mix, you know, music video OAV promo. Yeah, I, I interviewed him actually before the movie. I wanted to interview him after the movie so I could actually ask him stuff, but he wasn't given interviews. Period. Uh, once the movie showed, because the Japanese are weird, and I was like. Who is this movie for? Is it meant to, like, bring in new fans or appeal only to existing ones? And he was like, it's meant to do both. I mean, you know, it's meant to bring in people who've never seen Full Metal Alchemist before and diehard fans. Now, with that in mind, with him saying that, do either of you think he met that goal? Um, 
It kind of made me go, gee, I probably should watch more Full Metal Alchemist, but I'm, I don't know. I haven't watched more. If you'd never seen Full Metal Alchemist before, do you think you would have been totally lost or what? I probably could follow the basic premise of the story. I might not know why people can do things, but. Uh, yeah, I think. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I, I could, I can see that, but I do think, I can see what that he was trying to do that since it is focused more on the situation at hand and not, you know, super long, trying to, he wasn't even trying to fit it into existing canon. It doesn't feel like it. It feels like he was trying to exist his own little mini canon in a little bubble. But it does really feel like it heavily leans on the original source material to be able to tell the story. Yeah, I'm with you there. I mean, I know he said he only had two guidelines when he was making the movie. One was that he couldn't change how alchemy works, as explained in the series. And two, he couldn't change any of the characters. You know, everyone has to kind of be the same uh, at the end is where they started. And that's fine. <laughs> maybe why he didn't bring in some of the other characters, maybe he didn't feel comfortable using them in some way. <laughs> but Yeah, it, it could have been that. But here's where I think he kind of either dropped the ball or he was trying to do it and he didn't quite make it. There were points where he was obviously trying to bring people up to speed because a lot of times there are like, the very sudden dialogue from random people like, oh, you're the Full Metal Alchemist, aren't you? You're the guy who tried to, you know, sacrifice, you know, so-and-so to bring back, you know, whatever, whatever. And in exchange, you lost, you know, and it's a very quick info dump for a minute solid. And he's like, yep, that's me, all right. But there's also a lot of imagery that they show that they expect the viewer to know, oh, this is a big deal. And they show this scene or this object or what have you, but it's never explained in the film. Or, like, at no point do they really explain how alchemy works or why the MacGuffin of the film is so important. What does it permit people to do? You know, what are these terminologies and nomenclatures? That sort of stuff, it's just just kind of thrown out there. And I think, like, I've seen all Full Metal Alchemist, so it's like I know it because I'm, you know, a fan of Full Metal Alchemist. But, like, the people who've never seen this stuff before – would be kind of lost. And it's my opinion that when you make a movie of a big, long-running property, like, say, that Space Battleship Yamato movie, that you make it for people who are just going to see that movie and then be interested in it and want to go back and see the show afterwards. That's how I think you should do it. And I don't know if you really hit that mark here. No, I think I think he was aiming he – probably, he probably was aiming for it, but, yeah, I don't think he hit it. I think he did lean much more on the side of – pander to existing fans yeah. which possibly was probably the smart decision for his first time out because it's more likely to at least be popular with the current crowd of which it's pretty numerous yeah it's a big popular series so it doesn't hurt to play to the fans um and i was yeah i've only seen a bit of the series but i basically knew what was going on so yeah here's a casual viewer like i can say like for Dragon Ball Z or Bleach and even in a couple of the Naruto movies, I'm at best a casual follower of the TV series of those. But the movies were pretty are pretty easy to sit down and watch. Mm-hmm. That's probably more what... That's more for the fans, though, definitely. But, you know, it, it hit most of the right beats that you'd want to in an addition movie. You know, and they also... Maybe because the director didn't realize he was supposed to... There weren't a lot of the jokes they constantly used in the original series. Yeah. Not one short joke. 
I was really glad for that yeah. just because, I mean, one of my biggest complaints about Fullmetal Alchemist is that the jokes wear out really thin, really fast. And there was not a single joke about Ed being short and that, oh, it's Alphonse is actually the younger brother. Or, you know, that kind of was ne- it was like mildly amusing the first time. And then they do it like six times per episode kind of thing. And uh, it didn't happen at all in this movie. So I was quite glad. And, and in fact, I remember the first time they start going to the spiel like, oh, he's got one metal leg and one metal arm and blah, 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 blah. You must be the full metal alchemist. And they went to Ed and they didn't go to Al. And I was like, oh, well, that's nice. Huh. They got I, thought right. I, I thought I was going to have to deal with that. But, but no, yeah. they just keep going. And, and some a lot of the original stuff they did with the movie was very neat. Like, I liked the bad people. Yeah, I like the, yeah, pretty, that's probably Shinji Aramaki since he had the mecha design credit. But, uh, yeah, he's always had um, some sort of mild involvement in Full Metal Alchemist. I'm not really sure what it is that he does because there's no t- motorcycles that turn into robots in Full Metal Alchemist. You have a lot of trains, though. <laughs> that is true. There's some mechanical gadgetry with people's automail limbs and various machines in the show. I think. But, yeah, not a lot, but, yeah. I think the strongest part of this movie and this was already a strong point of full metal alchemist and full metal alchemist brotherhood was the animation quality and the action scenes oh yeah oh yeah the the, the action scenes were, were definitely like the highlights of the film just getting able to watch ed and al and everybody else who could cut loose they do cut loose and it is just amazing to watch definitely very well animated very dynamic i thought they were really innovative i mean i thought you know, in Full Metal Alchemist, like a show like that, it's easy to get drawn into like that sort of DBZ style fighting, and they don't really go that route. They do keep it unique and interesting, and have like innovative uses of their powers and abilities. And I like that. You know, no two action scenes were quite the same. Yeah, and I noticed that with the director, a lot of the stuff that he has worked on, he's worked on as the animation director, and that probably helped out a lot because you know what's going to look good when animated, and it really does show off in the fighting scenes. Uh, I'm pretty sure the screenplay writer didn't really write the action scenes because his previous films he worked on were Doraemon. <laughs> and I may be wrong, maybe Doraemon's filled with action, wall, balls-to-wall action, but... Not the Doraemon I've seen, but that's a... But definitely the, the fight scenes were, were, were good, and they kept him in a pretty decent clip where you would, you know, you would get an awesome fight scene, then you would get some exposition, but before you got really bored with the exposition, they would throw another fight scene or another action yeah, scene. Yeah, another action sequence, just to keep things interesting. Yeah, they were spaced well enough to keep things interesting, but it wasn't all action either. That wears you out just as much sometimes. I think the finale was kind of all action. They're like, oh man, I gotta wrap this up, but I gotta get all these action scenes in. And so it was like, boom, one after the other after the other. And I'm fine with that because I'm a jerk who likes, you know, Michael Bay Transformers movies. But I can see how it could wear people thin. I mean, um, nothing. It it doesn't get any more shonen than people fighting while screaming their life philosophies at each other. And that's what goes <laughs> yeah. down in Full Metal Alchemist, uh, Sacred Star Amulus. But you know what? That happened in the show, too. So people who dock this movie for that, it's like, dude, it's Full Metal Alchemist. It's all about, yeah. you know, I believe in the power of so-and-so. Your beliefs are a sham. As you know, you're kicking 
punching the crap out of each other. And man, this film, not to play any particular scenes, but this film is a bit more violent than I was expecting out of a full metal movie. Definitely. Yeah, near, well, likewise, near the end. In fact, I even say it's kind of the start of a lot of the major action towards the film. It really starts off with some very unexpected gore. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Full Metal Alchemist had some violent moments in it, and there were some parts where there was killing, but this one is like, this is like a dismemberment sort of movie. <laughs> yeah, but they kind of saved it till near the end, though. I mean, there was a little bit, but... I think there's a lot more collateral damage in this movie than you think about. And that's one of the things that interested me about the movie was in some of those big super duper action sequences where it's like, oh, man, stuff's going down. You know, people are getting killed in the background and stuff, Um, even though people aren't important to the setting of the film or like, I mean, to the plot of the film internally to the setting, they matter. It's like there are scenes where, oh, people are suddenly you know, burying all the people who got killed during that last super alchemy fight. And, you know, it's like makes it seem like the world is real. Yeah. Because you know, there's so many anime where, you know, if the 80 police get murdered like 30 people at a time, like 30 helicopters blow up and nobody cares because, hey, those guys were wearing helmets. <laughs> you know, no, these are like, you know, actual, you know, quote unquote people. And this is actually a society where somebody could conceivably, you know, <laughs> mourn the loss of random innocent bystander number three who has no lines and you know they actually they they show you some of these things and it actually does affect ed and of course it doesn't have any lasting you know effect on him but it's one of those things i think you, that it's one of those situations that would reinforces what ed already believes and what ed already wants to do and so it does a, it does a good reinforcement of the character who already exists so and any other thoughts about um milos uh, bat people. Well, bat suits. They were cool. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm a uh, uh, nothing that isn't decidedly spoilerish. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't want to like go into like the specifics of the movie. I mean, I I was one of those schmucks who had to take notes while watching the movie for the first time because it's like, oh, I'm a member of the press. I got to write about this at some point. And, um, you know, again, it's been a while now, and it's kind of hard to keep some of the details in place. It's like I've got my notepad where I just wrote down the names of the cast where I was like, oh, okay, yes, now I remember. But, yeah, if I didn't do that, I would have a hard time remembering this movie right now. Unfortunately, a lot of the stuff I wrote down is, you know, pertaining to the plot of the movie and, like, the setup of the movie. And, you know, the payoffs, I do remember them well, but I don't want to give that away. Right. Well, we, Kevin and I did was able to stick around for the Q&A afterwards, and it was kind of interesting to hear people ask him questions. A lot of it was – a lot of his answers were, well, you had to have the person in charge of that. Well, actually – Yeah, like he didn't write the movie. Yeah. Like he did mention some neat things like the uh, Table City, the city that is more or less takes place in. He sort of based it on Spain, whereas everything else he sort of just pulled it out of his brain at, at random points. Uh, and I did like someone asked why did you why was the film made, and the, the gist was the producers wanted to make another movie wanted to make a movie, and if people <laughs> wanted another movie, buy the existing movie so they ha- they know to make another movie. <laughs> yeah. Although my favorite point was when one g- silly fan decided to ask his question in really badly done broken Japanese. Those are always the worst ever. And 
at the and what was worse was that they, you know, the translator went, okay, that didn't make any sense. Can you please rephrase that in English? <laughs> the guy couldn't even do that. Yeah, it, it took another fan to. I, I'm not sure if they even lost their place line to do it, but they had to figure out what the fan was initially trying to say, then reinterpret that in English. Is <laughs> English speaking needed an English interpreter? There. You want to talk about the least enforced rule at an anime convention? The Otakon rules said if you have a question for somebody, write it down first. Did you see a single person do that at any point during this convention? Nope. Yeah, no, 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 I didn't. And yet, you know, it's, you've seen it. You see it happen time and time again that people wait in line for a while. And then when they get in the microphone, they don't actually know what they want to ask. So they just start talking and kind of just keeping their mouth running while they think of a question in their head. And it kind of comes out not making any sense. I think that's kind of what happens here. But the Japanese guy was just like, I'm going to impress so much. I know Japanese. I took my one semester in community college. Gonna break this out. Yeah, I believe the uh, translator said something effective. Would you mind saying that in English so uh, all of us can hear what you w- wanted to say? And, yeah, try to make it real diplomatic. And, and the question I'm asking was, why does all the plots revolve around the Philosopher's Stone? And yeah, the director was like, because it's such a great story, which got a huge applause from everyone in the room. Where my response went, um, because that's kind of the primary points of the entire show that is the driving thing of full metal alchemist and that is some that is one of those things that never really gets efficiently explained in this film even though it's very important to what happens in the film first i don't know if you've ever read us or seen another story involving alchemy or even the first harry potter movie you and that was the Sorcerer's Stone in America. Well, yeah, but we were wrong. So you you might know what the Philosopher's Stone is. And the other question was I did like was when someone did ask why wasn't there more Roy? The director sounded very or the translator sounded very sheepish, and I think so did the the director. Where the Jap the response was the Japanese fans were also mad about that. <laughs> yeah, that seems like the biggest no brainer. As far as, like, what drives this fandom, like, who are the most popular characters? Ed? Roy. You know, Alphonse would be in the top, you know, three or five as well, just by virtue of being the main character. But, I mean, how do you overlook yeah, do you that? Not- I mean, I could understand not quite getting how big Armstrong is in terms of his popularity, even though that's kind of ridiculous, too. But Roy, I mean... The Fujoshi alone. Yes, and just look at the fan yeah. art and fan fiction. <laughs> right. You know, you just need to take one look at your fan base and figure out that people like Roy Mustang. And uh, he's certainly not appearing in this film, particularly. And what's kind of funny is that Alphonse is actually one of the primary focus points. Quite yeah. possibly the primary focus point of yeah. all the main characters. Yeah, he was really important in this movie. I mean, not to say he's not unimportant the rest of the time, but... This movie really liked Al. <laughs> I don't mind that, just because I think Al needs some more screen time yes, in general. Yes. And I really wonder if the guy really wanted to make an Alphonse movie and was like, oh, I do all this other stuff? Yeah, okay, I guess that's cool. Well, I guess I could take Armstrong out of here and put Ed back in. <laughs> but, yeah, all, all said and done, it was a really fun film. 
you know, as as Full Metal fans, the whole you know lack of you know characters withstanding, it's a really fun watch. Oh, yeah. I, I would. It's definitely solid. I did like know, it. I liked it a good. Back day. to the viewing experience because I I almost kind of forgot this. We discussed this earlier when we were watching it. The aspect ratio was completely wrong. <laughs> yes, it was. This is a sixteen by nine widescreen movie. Otakon displayed it in stretched four by three during the closing ceremonies they asked hey can you fix that and they were like no it's too expensive it's incredibly costly and it'll cost like so many thousands of dollars that if we did it everybody's badge price would go up 15 to 25 dollars and we don't want to do that we can only do that for the hd viewing room and i'm like i'm trying to think what can possibly be done to a signal that is coming from Again, I have no idea what it takes to run a video to a projector, but I imagine if you put something into a player, with this playing off a disc, make no mistake, and run a cable signal to a projector somewhere, at what point do you need to have like multiple other stages in that chain that, you know, oh, the hardware only supports. You know, four by three aspect ratio. Sorry, guys. I I completely am at a loss as to what they would be doing in such an expensive... And this is the same place that ran, like, the AMV contest. It's like, it should be like... I, I have no clue what's going on. I, I don't either, because I have messed with... And the guy's explanation of, like, they would need new equipment that would be expensive, they'd have to buy... It's like, Really? Really? what like i don't know somebody explain that one like in the comments or email or whatever it is that could possibly it seems like it takes effort to to take it and then turn it into that you know like and i don't know a single projector i don't know a single projector that can't do multiple resolutions like i don't so i, and I don't know what they're using to project these things and I don't even know, like, would they really need to have something that would, like, boost a signal or do it, whatever? It's like, no, there's only one video source in the back. You know, maybe you might have some computers and stuff, too. But, I mean, how much distance does it really have to travel to get to a projector? I mean, maybe the projector is all the way up on the ceiling. Who knows? And, you know, they've got to run cables and signal boosters and stuff from that. But, uh, I don't know, any movie theater or whatever, like, I've never seen any setup that would be set up in such a way that you could only output in four by three such that if you didn't have four by three, it doesn't even scale it, you know, it just stretches it so that everything looks, you know, distorted. That to me is just, yeah, it really just seems like there should be a simple setting control to adjust that, but, but who knows? We're not Oticon. Yeah. Yeah, we're not Oticon. We're not their video tech staff. I have no idea what's in that room. If you are their video uh, tech staff and listening to this and want to explain it, leave us something in the comment the section. Full technical explanation as to what the hell. I also want the explanation as to who decided to put those seats up in the corners where you literally have like an 85 degree viewing angle with the screen. Like, if you ever saw the movie Bowfinger? Where it's like you sit all – they're sitting all the way in the corner right in the front such that you couldn't possibly see it. It's like why even have those chairs there? I would have been mad if I was like the fans who had to sit in that row after waiting that much time. But uh, whatever. It sounded great. 
It sounded it great. It sounded great. <laughs> and I didn't have to sit there, so I don't need to volunteer to fix that problem because I didn't have it. But it was a good film. And even with the aspiratio mishap, it was still fun to watch. And I think that's a really good testament to a movie that if I'm watching it in the wrong aspect ratio and still enjoying myself, the movie did a pretty good job of what it was trying to do. Yeah, as much as we had uh, had little nitpicks about various things about the film, as just being a non-serial shown in action movie, it was pretty good. <laughs> okay, let me throw this out there. Which one do you like more? Full Metal Alchemist, Sacred Star, Milos, or Trigun, Badlands, Rumble? Well, I can't answer because I haven't seen the Trigun yet. But <laughs> Man, it's a good question. A little voice in my heart says Trigun, even though I haven't seen it because I was more of a Trigun fan than I was ever a Full Metal Alchemist fan. I'm much more <laughs> of a Full Metal fan than I ever was a Trigun fan. Like, I liked the beginning of Trigun. I didn't really like the ending of Trigun. But I think I... But the movie was more like the beginning of Trigun. Well, yes. <laughs> and so part of me wants to say I think I might have liked the Trigun movie more. But then I'm thinking that there were certain aspects of the Full Metal Alchemist movie I liked more. But Again, yeah, because the Full Metal Alchemist movie is a billion times more violent <laughs> than the Trigun movie. Yeah. Uh, just because Trigun is Trigun. But like in terms of encapsulating everything you love about the property – Trigon does a better job than Full Metal Alchemist, or this Full Metal Alchemist, I would it, say. It does. Like, I think it captured the spirit of Trigon way better. And I also think the story that Trigon tried to tell was much more in line to a Trigon story where you could use the existing characters as a thing. Whereas the uh, full, like, it, like the whole reason why Bash was there and all that stuff that Bash did was partially hinged on things that Bash did in his past. Whereas the Full Metal movie is very much Ed and Al, okay, go over there here and fix this problem. Where they don't have nearly as much involvement in the actual situation than what would happen in the Trigun movie. If here's something that makes them want to go poke around there, they go poke around there, action happens. Whereas Bash has a much more specific reason why he needs to go there and why he's doing what he's doing. Yeah, I know, like, the director's part of his speech is, like, saying, oh, it takes place here, is to sort of justify why they go out there, because, oh, they might have, find a clue to, you know, solving the, the mystery, but really, they just go there because they're told to go there, yeah. and that's that. That worked for me, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, in that respect, I do think, overall, Trigun was the better film. I also think that you probably watch Trigun and get the beats a little bit more, understand what's going on a bit easier than you would, because it might help that at first glance, Vash is a little bit simpler of a character, mm. where, you know, Vash can be hunky-dory and kind of goofy, but he's actually some sort of secret kind of badass, where with Ed and Al, you have to, like, you have to talk about what they did, why they have their, why they are the way they are, blah de blah like, they have a little more backstory you have to front-load things with than, than Vash would. Okay. Yeah, I mean, um... I can totally agree with you on that. I mean, I wrote about Trigon Badlands Rumble in uh, in Otaku USA, and uh, I basically said more or less the same thing as you just said, uh, except better because I'm awesome. No, um, (laughs) but like, uh, yeah, I mean, you're totally right. Um, In Trigon, you don't have to go into that whole backstory. In fact, a lot of that backstory isn't even revealed until that second half of Trigon, which is very different 
in tone uh, than the rest of it. Whereas in Full Metal Alchemist, because it's a more serialized story, it's not like there's a bunch of standalone wacky hijinks and then things get serious. Um, you're kind of forced to deal with a little more continuity just in setting up the premise. Whereas in Trigon, it's like, here's the characters and now go for it. I think there are merits to both movies. I think both of them are worth watching. I think I would be more inclined to rewatch the Trigon movie than the Full Metal Alchemist movie. But uh, I definitely think each of them are worth watching at least once in your life. Um, but again, I'm only a person who watched Trigon and Full Metal Alchemist and thought they were good. These things are not integral to my childhood or to my adolescence like they would be for most anime fans now. Right. And I actually would kind of like to see this guy do another film. You know, maybe not even a Full Metal Alchemist film because the basic directing and stuff of this film was good. And I would like to see him do more stuff. Yep. All right. Well, I guess we pretty much covered it. I mean, uh, you know, the only th- all the stuff we could talk about would be if we started giving away the movie. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Full Metal Alchemist, Sacred Star, Milos, uh, pretty good movie. I don't know when it's coming out here. No um, idea. I'm sure Funimation. I'm sure Funimation will be releasing it in a heartbeat because, hey, that's how we got to see it. They basically got the movie and super quickly subtitled it within like a week or something crazy. Yeah. And then um, put it out there. So it's already pre-licensed by Funimation. I don't think they're really going to take a super long time getting it out. But, again, the Japanese have to get their release first and yada yada. And you know how it is when that goes. I mean, we were just talking about Redline. I was just curious when I looked at, like, man, it was pretty dumb that Redline didn't get released here in America first or at least, you know, released without some sort of hideous delay. So, naturally, the pirated version came out. And I'm just looking at one tracker alone, and there are close to 17,000 downloads of Redline on just one BitTorrent tracker. And that's not even the big one. It's not even Pirate Bay or anything like that. That's just a tracker. Uh, And so, you know, I know the Japanese are real obstinate. It's like, oh, we got to get our version first. But, you know, at this point, they're kind of cutting off their noses despite their face and the only time they want to do the simul releases one was like oh okay we'll make the u.s blu-ray sixty dollars yeah yeah Which, you know i know you were willing to spend the sixty dollars to import it basil but if it came out in best buy and you saw sixty dollars for a movie you probably wouldn't have done it i mean at least you can justify it's like okay i'm importing it from another country and i gotta ship it over here okay sixty dollars yeah but yeah it's well it's one of the same things with you know the um the unicorn Blu-rays. Yeah, so those are so. They're 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 gorgeous, but they're goddamn expensive, and it's I, I just... yeah, it's it's too much money. I mean, it's that's like my favorite show of this year, but I haven't bought any of it because it's like, dude, I'm not paying forty dollars an episode. I mean, the most it. I'll do, yeah, eight dollars on PlayStation Network and stream it in HD. That's the limit, and uh, I think that just the Japanese are just being dumb. Uh, as far as that goes, but whatever. What do I know? I'm some stupid American. Anyway. Um, so finally, then, how many awesomes out of awesomes shall we give Star uh, Sacred Star of Milos? Mm. One Sacred Star. Ah, I deserve at least like five Sacred <laughs> Stars. I was gonna give it one uh, alchemy-powered P90 submachine gun. Yeah. Uh, 
awesome scale. Because, man, when they busted out those P90s that are powered by alchemy, that was good stuff. That's not a spoiler. That's just a random background detail I observed. <laughs> um, yeah, it was awesome. I, I'm having trouble with witty comments. It's not spoilerific. Of awesome. <laughs> well then, I will take that instead. <laughs> Thanks for coming on, Daryl. No problem. And we will see everybody, hopefully, at Anime Week in Atlanta. But until then, we are out. Goodbye. That's not right. Uh, I apologize. I apologize. I'll remember that. Well, no, I won't remember the next time. This I'll, this will happen again at some point in my life. I know it. Like, I never learn anything. What were you really doing during that time? Oh, my God. He was having phone sex. Yes, with Kevin. That's why I wasn't speaking about my it. My goodness. Basil and Kevin. Having sex on the phone. Yeah, it was. It was his right. It was right disturbing. It was <laughs> very disturbing. <laughs>